Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. Uh, we got Max calling in from Zoom because he's going on tour, uh, so he can't be in the room with us. Uh, I got Shane beside me, though, and that's nice. It's good to be here. How you guys doing? You know, there is an undercurrent of stress that happens uh, when I go on tour. And I know mm. I seem like, yeah, Mr. Carefree Guy, Mr. You know, everything's sunny. Life is grand. There's a dark side. But there's a dark side. <laughs> it's not a dark side, but it's there is a. I want the, the tour to be as good as it can be, and I want to make sure that every person in every town who should know about the show is going to the show. I'm I'm plagued by many instances of like getting DMs from people being like, "When are you coming to Philadelphia?" And I was like, "Bro, we were just in Philadelphia yesterday." And we've been talking about Philadelphia for the last nine months. You know, so that kind of thing stresses me out. But I'm trying to enjoy it more because I think if you were to ask the band guys, is Max look like he's having a good time on tour? They'd probably be like, no, he's just sort of walking around all day stressed out about stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm, I guess I'm coming to you guys. Guys, any any tips for me while I'm on tour that I can think about? Because I do I do think about my friends and words of wisdom and or little little routines that uh, that could be good for for me and my uh, you know my well being. Yeah, so I'm wondering, do you guys have any words of wisdom? You know, just so I can really smell the roses a little bit more. What do you got anything for hmm. me? How are you at making lists? Because I find that making a list. And taking what's in my mind out of my mind can help me a little bit. Oh, yeah. I do make a to-do list. I do make a to-do list. But then I find myself giving 
like making the list so long. It's like a never ending list. And so I never feel like I'm caught up. I can never like relax, you know? So maybe mm. like, so I'm into the to-do list cause I like trying to be as organized as I can, but the uh, list can never be more than five items. That's a list mm. rule. Like oh, the list gives you anxiety. Interesting. Yeah. Because, because you can't get to more than five things. Your brain can't really uh, handle more than that on a list. So then, mm. you know, maybe you have like a doom, sheet where everything that's on your mind that's taking up bandwidth you put that on the sheet knowing that everything that's kind of in my mind is on this sheet and then you take the five most important things and once you get those done i think you'll feel better Mm. and lighter okay i'll do that anything else um you know there's always just the thought that we'll all be dead one day and nothing matters. <laughs> that was helps, actually pretty yes. good. I kind of like that one. It is. Honestly, yeah. like we're all just kind of passing through and nothing really <laughs> matters. It doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like we're a speck of moment in time. We're a piece of sand on the beach. Um, you know, and obviously you have to deal with yourself every day and you have to get through and you have to find mm-hmm. your own zone of happiness. But I find that most things we get pent up about do not matter. Like there's big things that matter, you know, uh-huh. like your relationships and how you feel about yourself and all of those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, are you able to, you know, sustain your life? But the other stuff's just kind of details that won't matter in a month. Sometimes Straight I think about Satan, like uh, poking our asses <laughs> with a poker for the rest of eternity. Because sometimes people say life doesn't matter. It's all frivolous. So then they kind of live that way. But if there is a God who's keeping score of the things you do, maybe things do matter and you could end up going to hell. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you you need to act with intention and you got to try to be decent. But I do think that sometimes I think about like, you know, the population of India or China and there's like two billion people there and they don't care at all what I'm doing. Then they're, they're all Definitely. living their own life, right? Um, well, just an untapped market. But yeah, get there. how are sales in India? <laughs> you don't know that. Now I'm stressed out. I'm like, fuck, China. <laughs> that, that's a huge market. Our girl's got to go. Yeah. Because um, you did a song in, in French. What if you did a song in Chinese? Can you imagine <laughs> me trying to do the song in French was such a tall order. Like, I think, did I tell you about how I tried to memorize the lyrics? Um, Shane, do you no. know about my process? Did I ever tell you guys this? So, no. Did you record yourself and just listen to it over and over well, again? Well, no. So it's it's like I got the French spelling. This is going to shock some of our listeners. So it's like, like that's kind of, that's what it says in French. That's what you sing in French. But what in, But I don't know what any of these words mean. And trying to phonetically say them by reading the French it never worked for my brain. So the way mm. I remember that particular line, okay, let's start there. De mirror, day mirror. That's what I think in my mind, like a day mirror. And then, yep. de mirror, oh, oh, and then, and then I think of the word, Shay Gilgis Alexandra. Okay, Shay Gil, Kia, Kia nurse, Kia, deme. <laughs> and I'm just kind of going through each word and what's like the most like recognizable. Did you go back to the day mirror at the end of that line yeah. there? Demi roche, kia, deme, deme, no rev. No rev. I always think of the good rev was who's the nickname for my friend Aaron Goldstein. The good rev. No, but no rev. Demi roche, kia, deme, no rev, no long, deme. I I don't know what the English equivalents were for that. But anyway, that's actually still a terrible French accent. But that is how bad I am at languages. That I had to literally give like English equivalent inside jokes or inside references for my own brain uh, to to get through memorizing that lyric. Do you know what Avril Lavigne did to hit it big across the globe? What did she do? Okay, she... 
she found her biggest hit. So what's your biggest hit? Complicated. Skater Boy? No, no, your biggest hit. <laughs> oh, we my know biggest Avril's. hit. What's your oh, biggest uh, hit? Leather Jacket, say. Leather Jacket. You record Leather Jacket in every language imaginable. <laughs> imaginable. And release it. That's what Avril did. She rec- I, I think the song was called Girlfriends. Like, hey, hey, hey you, 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 you gotta want your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. That song. So uh-huh. she recorded it in like 48 languages. Okay. And it ended up getting over a billion views on YouTube and everything. Like it mm. was a good strategy for her. Interesting. Now, now she's th- just, you know, spending the rest of her life spending. I don't hear from Avril uh, <laughs> that much. See, this is the problem. I'm going to think about that. I'm like, shit, we got to be doing multi-languages for all of our songs. And I'm stressed out even more, you know? Like I just... Oh, uh, not helping. Do you no. get snippy with the guys when you're stressed out or like, how does that manifest itself? Um, no, I just kind of become antisocial, I think, because uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like trying to focus on the to-do list, you know, it's like that, that to-do list. And then I, but the other thing is I give myself more work. So like yesterday or two days ago, we were like so busy prepping a million different things for the tour. And it was like wall to wall day. And then I got a text from our friend Matt, who's a singer of the band Mount Joy, who, and they were doing two nights at uh, Massey Hall. They're like an American folk rock mm-hmm. band. And he was like, yo, man, do you want to come up on stage and like, you know, do a, do a song with us? I was like, yeah, of course. It's like, okay, Silver Lining, second verse. And like, that's the, their, one of their big hits. And I was like, no problem. And then I, I realized I don't really know the words like, you know, perfectly inside now yeah and so then i spent the next like five hours just rehearsing it was so stressful and it was cool like i'm (laughs) glad i did it but i also was like as i was doing it i was like man why am i doing this to myself but anyway um these are my own problems that i've i've made for myself that's the way it goes anyway what was the hang at the show did you you know was the did you hang in the green room did you hang out for the whole show or you just get in sing your song and get out um you know they were doing two sets in the night so between sets one and two i pop back there they have a bunch of uh, gear set up Uh, they have like a jam room in that they bring into every venue and uh we went through the tunes and i could tell they're kind of tired because they've been touring a lot this year but, uh, but, you know, they wanted to make the show special. I came out during the encore and did the wait by the band because it's a, I think they wanted mm-hmm. to play something Canadian. Um, but yeah, no, nice, super nice. But I actually, you know, it's funny. I was sort of taken by how chill Matt was, how kind of chill they all seemed to be. And I was like, man, maybe I need to do some more of that, like just stoner folk hippie vibe thing. Cause he was just like, cool, man, whatever. Just come up for verse two. It'll be great. I was like, man, I need that. He knows it's just a night uh, in, in, in a sea of many, and there'll be another show tomorrow night and a show after that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if it didn't go well, it doesn't go well. You keep it moving. Yeah. But for uh, you, this is a one-off. So that's true. Uh, how much do you think about the pop that you get when you walk on stage? And the pop, for people who don't know this term, it's the round of applause you get when you're first introduced. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I knew there was going to be a friendly crowd there because there's definitely like, at least in Toronto, like an Arkell's Mount Joy crossover in the audience. And like when I was watching the first set, there's a lot of people come up to me and saying, hey, so I figured it would be it would go well. I was I was excited about it and I was I was satisfied. It was good. Anyway, boys, what, what's going on? What's what's uh, what's the latest and greatest? What are we talking about? Whew. Well, Max, big things may or may not be happening within the dessert crew. We mm. We, mm. we might be working on. 
a new project and it might not be what you're probably guessing it is right now. Yeah, I like this. I know what you're talking about. Our listeners clearly don't. But uh, Shane, is this leading uh, to stress for you? Or now that you've got a full season of the dessert in your in in the bag and you know what to do, that it becomes easier? I think everything's easier after you do the dessert. So this project, although you know, I, it's, things are always under time constraints and things are always difficult when it comes to shooting anything, whether it's a 30 second commercial or a, you know, series or a sketch show, this would be easier than shooting a sketch show. And I don't think anything's harder than doing a sketch show. You don't think anything's hard. I think it's the hardest thing in the world because you're always changing location. You're never getting mm-hmm. comfortable in the character. You're, you have to do something different in a, you know, every day you're shooting two sketches, your hair is never the same. Your makeup's never the same, your wardrobe, your location. It's, it's just go, go, go. And you don't even have time to think if you're doing a, a good performance. You know, it's funny. I was watching the show <clears throat> this morning. Hacks. Do you know that show? It's on HBO. Yes, I've seen the first season. Yeah. Okay, I'm enjoying it. Who's the the older star? The, the Gene Smart is it Gene Gene yeah. Gene Smart? She, yeah, Gene she's Smart. Uh, famous from Designing Women. Yeah, right? yeah. that's a funny pull. And she has a, and, a uh, she, garden. She has stadle. this uh, this diatribe directed at her the young comic comedy writer that she's like working with because she she plays like, like an aging stand up comedian in Las Vegas, and she just screams at her. She's like, "Good is the." baseline you have to like that is the minimum is to be good it doesn't matter if you're good you have to scrap and claw and it doesn't get easier and then you have to that and and i was like wow this is uh i think there's truth to that but in that it doesn't necessarily get easier but it's also that's like the most demoralizing (laughs) career path uh piece of advice that you're like even if you get something it becomes that much harder i was like man it's heavy, you know? Sounds like she needs to make a list. Exactly. <laughs> but only five items. But only Don't five, only only five items. Um, yeah, audiences do not care how much work no. goes into anything. It's like, is this great or is it not? They don't care that you, you know, it was almost impossible to get that location or that special effect. They said it couldn't be done, but you pulled it off. It's like, we've seen Jurassic Park and Terminator. Mm. It's, is it as good as that? And that's kind of the barometer that every audience goes by. Yeah. And nobody is going to be around for the excuses. Like, like no. if it's like, Oh, that didn't work because of X, Y, and Z. Like you don't get to have that conversation. It yeah. just gets judged yeah. on the way it is. There's a great documentary called American movie about this. Um, he's a really nerdy filmmaker and he's trying to make this awesome horror film. And he just gets into how, if we don't shoot this, we can't show a black screen with text saying, sorry, we tried our hardest, but in spite of that, we could not film this one scene. And he, <laughs> he just articulates it in a way that you're like, yeah, you, you can't do that. No one cares about your good intentions. It's all about uh-huh. the end result. Yeah. I always think of that. And, you know, and sure enough, anytime I, I try my hardest to do anything, there's always just people with arms crossed waiting to sh- shit on it. And, oh. and that's good. And that's that's fine, too. And I shit on things, too. It, well, and that's it's like the thing you re- like people. I don't know who said this, but it's like it's hard to make even a bad movie like uh-huh. like somebody put their heart and soul in it. Like think of the shittiest movie you saw. That was somebody's dream. That was somebody's yes. like, like passion project or like, you know what I mean? Like somebody cared about that, whether it was the writer or the director or the actors getting their shot, but it's like even bad movies take an incredible amount of effort and work. Yeah. The big quote 
is uh, that a bad movie and a good movie take just as much work. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. Yeah. I mean, a bad movie is so interesting. Cause like every single thing kind of has to be good. Like you say, like, okay, it's, you got a great script. Okay, cool. But like, if it's not executed well, then the script means nothing. You know, it's like, oh, you got great actors, but if the script's kind of shit, then that's not going to do the trick either. Right. Like it just, everything must work. Yeah, I think the formula for a, great movie is it needs three standout memorable scenes and an amazing ending that's kind of the the formula people have devised to how you can do a good movie and if you don't have those things it's not going to be considered good interesting um guys how was your uh, your weekend uh, away with uh, the big the big gang oh yes we went glamping with our families shane yes uh, we did you know what yeah, i gotta so say I, before you you explain yeah. the thing i always think about um, cause I know all so the you just parents wish you were there. No, definitely not. <laughs> but I was, I was thinking about, uh, cause I know the parents are getting along, but I wonder how the kids are getting along. Cause you're posting all these cute kids of pops, kids and your kids. And like, you know, they're all hugging each other, but I'm like, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder how much the kids like each other. And I started thinking about my own childhood going like, Oh yeah, I had friends because of my parents, but I also had a lot of friends just through school. But are all the kids getting along? Okay. Are there any bullies in the group? I think Lou has the mo my daughter Lucy has the biggest problem with doing things that aren't constant fun. So, uh. for example, there was a moment where uh, Winona and uh, Josephine they wanted to watch the show Bluey, but Lucy can only tolerate that for maybe a minute, and then she <laughs> wants to she wants to do something else, and just oh, nothing can be fun enough for her. So that did <laughs> cause tense moments within the group. Because Josephine and uh, Winona, they're pretty patient and they're into the arts and they can actually sit and be calm. But Lucy just has no patience. And that's her problem in school, too. We talked to the teacher. They say she has a lot of problems with focus. Uh. Yeah, overall, though, I would say this year more than any other year, the kids like I felt like as a group, all mm -hmm. the kids were really kind of getting along as a unit, like mm. like because usually they break off in little cohorts and stuff like of who sees each other the most. But they do legit get along like to you said, like you said, if you think back to like all your friends when you're little. Actually, we're talking about this for birthday parties actually right now is it's like Danica was like we're planning Winona's birthday party and it's like I'm looking at the guest list and it's like Winona's school buddies and then like a couple of her like buds that are like actually friends, like, you know, like Lucy mm -hmm. or whatever. And Joe, but then I'm like, Oh, but there's all these like kids that are like, like left. I, and I was just like, and then Danica's like, well, yeah, it's like, we can't just, it's all her friends. Aren't your friends, kids. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, but I just remember when I was a kid, like all my birthday parties were basically like my parents, friends, kids. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, but that changed. I was like, that changed when I was like 11. I just did whatever the fuck I was told yeah. to do. But now turning five, she has so much more autonomy and agency over her own party. It's actually Gen kind Alpha. of like, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I, cause I feel bad. Cause I'm like, Oh, we're there's people that aren't going to be invited to this party that are going to like see the photos or whatever. And it's like, Oh, I didn't get to go to that. It's like, yeah, she went had a guest list of 11 and I guess we're letting her call the shots at this point. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The main logic is because you don't want the parents to feel awkward because now all of a sudden school friends are coming and then there's parents and then they have to intermingle more often than not because you can't really drop your kid off i think that's a little taboo to just drop off and leave oh so you have do you do that no 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 oh. i like this is it because i me and danica have talked about this because so some parents do that it's oh, like a i've fun, never like, yeah. seen it in action yeah it's happened in the wild there was a party i know for one of the kids in her class and some of the parents it was a drop-off party you just drop your kids off that's, that's cool. cool see 
I wonder what age you can comfortably do a drop off like yeah. six, seven. I don't know. I'm kind of learning as I go, but I, I do think it is awkward dealing with other parents who you don't really know. It's totally. less about the kids to me and more about the, the parents you can hang with. Yeah. The, uh, but to your question about glamping, it was a good time. This is a tradition that we've been doing now since, uh, Dan threw me a big surprise birthday party, like two years ago. And so we've done it every year and you have to book it the minute you mm. like, so like we do the weekend, we just finished our glamping weekend and then everyone got home and then we've had so much fun. We booked it again. Cause this place has got, you know, there's only so many yurts. Is that what they're called? These glamping I tents? So, yes. yeah. And there is one opening available. <laughs> Max, I know you're dying to come. <laughs> and there are people okay, without kids who come. Yeah. Uh, what uh, of all the kids who resembles their parent or parents the most? I'm always curious because now they're really turning into little people. And, and, and yeah. Shane, you talk about like, you know, you have uh, Lucy's got no attention span. And I was like, did I was like, and I was like, oh, did Shane have no attention span as a kid? Or is or like, where does that come from? I didn't. Um, I didn't. Yeah. And you, cause you were always talking about what, like how stressed out Lucy gets about not, not being able mm -hmm. to drive when she gets older and <laughs> shit like that. Um, so yeah, which like, it, like what's, I don't even know Joe. What is Joe more like pops or Sarah? She's probably, she looks more like Sarah and she probably is more like popolis. Maybe if I just had to did say, she say I'm that not she, around. Did she tell everyone she's a Mensa member all the time? <laughs> no, but I could see her heading there. Like she's very intelligent, and mm. uh, you know she's definitely into art and learning and drawing. Like, and she she can really hyper focus on things. I've noticed she's like the reverse Lucy a little bit. <laughs> uh, what, what about you, but Mike? In, in terms of who looks the most alike, I would say maybe if it's just pure looks, I think Winnie and Mike, especially with Mike's hair currently they look <laughs> the most alike mike looks like a little asian girl <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it is kind of remarkable though how much autobiography. of the asian gene crossed over to her yeah really she's like one eighth asian but yeah. she looks like a 50 percenter yeah yeah she's only one eighth and i thought she's a quarter uh, well what am i i'm i'm a half uh no, so half indonesian oh i thought you were one quarter no so my my oma and my opa well yeah it, it's complicated but basically my oma and my opa are both half indonesian each and then french and then dutch and then so my dad would be half i guess half indonesian and then so you'd European. be a quarter I'd be a quarter. So then she's whatever that is. Wow. So then if you do it again, she'd be one eighth. Right. Yeah. yeah. But she definitely has like more of the Indonesian sort of. Yeah. Like aesthetic. strong genes. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's, and the other thing, and then uh, my other daughter, Roberta looks look so much like Danica. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even really know they're like sisters. I can see it. Like when I look at Roberta, like I can see some of the veerman and definitely climby, like my mom's side, I can see it in her, but they don't look alike at all. Like I, I don't think they look alike. Yeah. Even even Lucy and uh, Betty, I find, you know, they 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 don't look super alike. Like you know what I mean? No, like, yeah, very different sort of vibes. No, for sure. Uh, but it was a good hang. But to to Shane's point, tons of uh, what you call it, uh, kidless people came. You yeah, know, Mike and Molly and legs. came. Yeah, Pete's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah Peak is there with legs. And AJ and Carly, like they, they like they seem to have such a great time. Like this is their third year in a row too. So, and I feel mm -hmm. like peak also, not that he's mean by any means, cause he's not, but he has no time for the kids. No, like he's not like <laughs> uncle Matt or anything. He's just like, yeah. And anytime they say anything, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's no thing. And there's nothing absolutely wrong with that. I'm just saying you could fit in and yeah. hang in seamlessly and uh, not even talk know. to the that's kids. That's good to know. 
Well, that's very good. I, you know what though? Max doesn't seem like a guy that could chill at like a campsite. You know, what? I think that's that's phone. the problem. It has more to do, I think, with the camping element than the kid element. Because I don't like going it's to anybody's camping. camping. No, I don't. No, I, I don't like going on vacation. Yeah. Like, I don't think he just sits no, somewhere for a few hours. Here's what here's what Max would do. He'd go to the brewery. He'd have one beer. He'd be like, "All right, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna go for a walk." You just hike. The <laughs> Wi-Fi is good, and you just send your texts and your DMs, and you you think a lot, and then you kind of pop in for like one or two hours at nighttime, and you're like, "This is great." And then you you know you go back to your tent alone, and you text and you DM, and that's it. <laughs> like, there's plenty of walking time and time to be like, that, "Hey, that's how I just gotta go, be yeah. by myself." Because that's kind of yeah. how I am on bachelor trips too, you know. Oh, like, totally. Like, that's how you sort of vacation. It's like yeah. you kind of pop in and out. Although you, usually you'll give yourself one night where you're like present, like you're there to party and you're like <laughs> in it till 2 a.m. But you know what? This this is kind of going back to uh, the beginning of the podcast here where I was like, maybe I need to be better at just being a little bit more present with the people I'm with. You know, I think, I think that's part of my issue, maybe. I don't know. You might be happier, but I don't know. We, I, who knows, right? Like you, we can't be who we're not as well. It's true. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you're so, why, why do you think you're so, um, do you think it's a drive to succeed? Like, are you, are you afraid to fail or is it like, what is it driving this sort of like, uh, uh, your anxiety and sort of your need to always be tethered to your phone and working all the time? I Could think be it's freelancer syndrome. Mm. Yeah. There's a bit of that freelancer syndrome. You want to explain that to our listeners, Shane? What freelancer syndrome so is? Freelancer syndrome is, uh, you know, you can definitely make more money if you're a freelancer, but if you don't work, you don't get paid. So there's this desire to always say yes to every opportunity that comes your way because it the your job could be gone tomorrow and then you could be unemployable and be without house and home and everything. So even people who are very successful can sometimes get caught into the trappings of mm -hmm. this syndrome where they cannot say no and it becomes very habitual. Okay, I think there's part of that for sure because I recognize I'm self-aware enough to know how precious the job is and if you don't like stay with it, then you know, it could fade away. I think the other thing though is that I really like, um, I think the thing that gets me off the most, like genuinely has to do with like Ooh. the creative, <laughs> 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 uh, is, is like creative ideas. So if somebody is like, hey, I got an idea for, I don't know, like literally anything. It's like a restaurant, uh, a new TV show, a podcast. Like Mike, you mentioned a podcast idea that I had. And then we ended up talking about it for like 45 minutes. And I was like, this is so fun. You got to make hmm. the podcast. Like I get so. What is it? Oh, he, he said I, he mean I had, I talked to you about it a long time ago, but I'm not going to talk about it on here because I think it's a good idea. Okay. But, uh, but basically I had an idea for a podcast that's kind of been banging around my brain. I told you about this like last year, but I just never had time. I had like a new baby and all this stuff. We were out for drinks and then it came up. We were talking about something and we were with a kind of a group of people, but Max was like, do it, just record, record it. And then the next day he followed up. He's like, have you recorded it yet? Is it the, uh, like a Star Trek thing and you're always in character as Picard? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm joking. Because I like it. Make it so. I like the idea of Mike doing that. <laughs> <A> Star Trek <laughs> bot? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was oh, Star Trek bad. I would not be interested in supporting Mike in that endeavor, like at all. I'm as trying we know. to find a way to use this podcast to get me on the Star Trek cruise for free and which, I can cover which it. I support that. I support a bamboozle or a hijinks. So if we can figure yeah. that out, I'm totally about it. That's you, the dream. Yeah, you making your own Star Star Trek pod. I don't really care about. So, so I do like. But anyway, and Shane, when we ran each other on Queen Street, we ended up walking around mm -hmm. for an hour, and it was the greatest hour of the week because we were just like waxing on ideas. And I get so pumped about and, them. And that was very helpful, by the way, because that thing we alluded to, uh, a huge element of the thing that we alluded to, came from that walk. Good. 
that let's we're working on right yes. now. Yes. Yes, for listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do more. Yeah. So I think I I just love like yeah I love thinking about like new projects. It's not because I'm like it never has anything to do with like because it'll make me money. I just because I just like love the idea of working with my friends and like doing something creative and um. Yeah, so that's where I think the other thing comes from. But that said, I, I could probably be happier a little bit if I just slowed down, maybe took a little bit more interest in people's personal lives, you know, just other day-to-day things. That might ground me a little bit. I don't know. Do you think if the the what seems like a pipe dream, which is being in a big successful band, if that never paid off for you and you just ended up with a you know a pretty good job, could you relax? Do you think at that you have a guaranteed job, a 401k? Mm. Could you just be like living a comfortable life that's stress-free? It's a good question. I think I've always had that instinct though to like want to find fun. You know what I mean? Like everything, mm-hmm. even when I was a teenager, I was just like, okay, I want to like intern at a booking agency or like in, in undergrad. I'm like, okay, I want to start a band. I just want to start a band. Okay. I'm going to go bug the, the events promoter at McMaster and get him to like, give us a gig opening for whatever. And so I've always had that in me. So I think the instinct to try to find a project has always been there. And, and that is, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever be like that comfortable. And I think because I, here's another thing. I think because I've had a taste of it, you know, we got to make a TV show together. I, you know, our band gets to go on tour. We get to make stuff all the time now because I know how fun that is. I always, I just, yeah, that, and then that's probably where the freelancer syndrome comes in where I'm like, okay, I want to keep doing it because I, I don't want to not be able to do it. Yeah. Now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, well, what was the main topic of conversation around the campfire uh, at the clamping? Well, I th- I lately, I don't know what it is, probably just my age and getting old. Unless I'm prepared to have a hangover the next morning, I have to go to bed at like 11. Mm. Okay, here's um, a question. If I'm prepared, yeah. What's up? Another thing I find 
which I don't actually know if I enjoy it that much or I can only do it so much mm-hmm. is that like when I'm having conversations with my friends, I want to get into like the harder, more complicated, big questions of life stuff. That's like, my problem. Like immediately. And when people are yes. just kind of like yucking it up and just kind of making jokes, like that's what entertain me for like a little bit, but I yes. don't, I don't know if I like it that much. I'd rather like go into small groups and talk about kind of like the nitty gritty of people's like problems. And it's hard to do that in bigger groups. I just find that's hard. That's so funny. Uh, you say that because that's, I, I can't stop thinking about that when I am in a larger group, just like, Oh, I wish I could pair this off to just like three people that I want to talk to right now, ask them maybe harder, more difficult questions that wouldn't be inappropriate mm-hmm. in a broader group. Maybe, uh, like Mike had a good question. He came over to, uh, I, was, I was sitting beside Poplis and he just asked like, how often do you guys fight with your uh, significant other? And it, it's a really interesting question, but it's not something you can talk about with your significant other listening or other people, uh-huh. because that might not be appropriate to have in the campfire where when I was younger, I really liked just the idea of maybe entertaining uh, a group or trying to be outrageous or funny or that drunken kind of thing. And, um, Mike, I find, and and I was told this by McPeak the next morning, Mike apparently went on this like 90 minute, uh, like stand up routine <laughs> that was uh, very, you know, I, the part of me is like, oh, I wish I could still have the energy to do that. But another part of me is like, just be you who you are now and what you feel. And I'm more the type to kind of sit back and enjoy a routine like that. But um, there was. I only want to be in big l- groups with Mike Veerman, by the way. Mike is such an amazing yeah. oh, storyteller. Me too. Me too. Like, like, he, I, he can do oh, both things so incredible. very well. Yeah. But there is this like when when I was younger, I'll say like maybe 25 was the peak of me. I would have this character who is very confrontational, like too much. It's like too rude. I remember. But I'd shame. always be like, shut up. <laughs> and then I'd be like, calm down. But I couldn't find a way to make that character work like where it could be with men and women and couples and fun. I retired that character once I realized that I just I couldn't find the right balance to be entertaining with like a commercial group. But Mike took the like the the good parts of that bit and combined it with a bunch of other things. And he just has this awesome character he becomes at a certain point if all the stars align and it's just very hilarious where he can go around the room and there can be an infinite number of topics brought up and he can think of the perfect thing to say like um uh, like i'll let mike tell it but one of the bits that just i can imagine being there is uh one of the wives who's very filled with dignity and kind of shyer uh (laughs) rebecca she walked by a fire i guess bent down and mike made a joke about her farting and igniting the fire and (laughs) burning someone to a crisp (laughs) and he was just like riffing on that for a a long period and apparently that that was kind of the impetus to like a 90 minute stand-up bit yeah it started because i did the joke about the fart and i got a laugh but then i joked about her and like incinerating psycho who was on the other side of the fire and he got murdered. And then she was like, Mike, don't make that joke. And then she kind of faked, like she was going to turn around and then fart on the fire and kill me. And I was like, don't do it, Rebecca. I've got everything to live for. Psycho's got nothing. And you know, I was just like, he can, anyway, it was, I was just riffing. And then I was like, Oh, he's got a mortgage, but with these interest rates, maybe you'd be doing a favor by killing him. I literally was just like riffing and riffing, but it was the perfect amount of everyone was drunk and it was like all around the fire and it was just in that pocket. But it's funny when you guys are saying that. Cause like, I obviously like 
I love those, those intimate conversations. I want to have those, you know, like mm-hmm. if we're out for beers in a, a small group and you want to kind of solve the world's problems or sort of get stuff off your chest or figure out your life. But then I also love just the madness of like that fucking shoot around the room and everybody's, yeah. but that's the thing too. You guys are also like, you guys are, you know, you're talking about preference, but like you're, you're both still very funny and engaging in those moments. Like when it gets into a big group. For for sure. But what I find is I don't like to be leading the point. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, you come to a, point in your life where you kind of realize what you like and what you are and you can be forcing it because sometimes if you're doing that I might try to force myself in and be that person but if I'm not feeling it it can feel forced it's like I don't know Rodman looking at Jordan being like I'm gonna throw up some you know yeah three pointers (laughs) right now it's like no stick to rebounding and hustle plays and steals or you know if you're Steve Kerr type just which I consider myself conversationally to be more of a picking my moments, coming in with a little comment and then exiting. And I'm just comfortable being that now. But when I was young, forces are working with you to kind of be that bigger, funnier person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As when now I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm much more apt to sit there and take everything in. And sometimes I like just sitting there and not talking and just, yeah. especially like I had half a weed drink and a shot of absinthe. Oh yeah. So I was very chill. Yeah. And it, enjoying it. And it was it was a, a great time. But yeah, Max is obviously you're more of a um alpha dog kind of like going around the room trying to yeah, but incite I, conversation. I still feel like sometimes if I'm playing point that I really have to kind of you know assert a lot of energy whereas why mike is so amazing is that you do it so effortlessly and that's why my favorite group setting is if mike is just if i'm right next to mike and because i just that's the best spot to be in is just be right next to mike veerman in a in a bigger group while he's doing it all. yes it definitely takes the mental load off of everything and then you get to pick and choose how much you want to engage in the conversation Mm -hmm. you guys are too kind this has been a nice uh, pod um (laughs) uh, uh, but yeah glamping was fun but it is you know it's kids stuff during the day actually i found this year i don't know because kids are getting older i thought the day stuff with the kids was the so like fun like it was really good like sometimes you're waiting to get to like oh let's have some drinks with the adults but it was like it was kind of the perfect balance of like everything like the kids playing doing little hikes having a laugh danica was playing bocce ball and getting super competitive and i love yeah she was good i love seeing that side of her because she doesn't often will so then when she gets into it after a few drinks and she really wanted to like destroy a bocce ball like i love seeing dan uh go for that and succeeding so it was, it was a good time it's good hang um anything else going on i mean you're going on tour how much do you pack for tour max are you like like one like rolly one rolly um we i've sent a, some of my show gear ahead with the the equipment uh so that's being shipped nice. down there um when you we, say show gear is that just like your tickle trunk full of <laughs> weird <goats>? clothing yeah <laughs> well you know what tickle I, trunk I, well okay well it's interesting you say that because there is a bit of a tickle trunk going on on the tour i don't want to give too much away about the tour but i was thinking about like i don't know i find just like a straight up rock show to be like a little boring and i like and i'm thinking like yeah and you kind of want to make each tour unique in its own way so at least right now I was saying, okay, our album's called Laundry Pile, but the tour is the at your service tour because we wanted to make it clear that it wasn't just going to be like 10 sad songs. It wasn't going to be like an acoustic mm-hmm. tour. So we, we're here to please. It's, we're at your service. But we want to reference Laundry Pile. So we have a laundry line that we're going to bring with us that's going to have uh, different t-shirts and things hanging up on it. It's going to say Arkells with, in different garments. So there's like a hoodie, there's shorts, 
there's t-shirts. And then throughout the show, I'm going to turn certain shirts around. And it's going to have like a message for the, for the audience, like dance or welcome or hear the rules. Um, and maybe I'm giving away too much right now, but I am. <laughs> Sounds fun. Dance. Here's the rules. Can we just do what we want, Max? Um, and also, though, we uh, we did these pop-up shows in uh, Hamilton and Toronto uh, in laundromats. Do you guys see that? Do you guys think that was uh, clever? Yes, that yeah. seemed exhausting. Uh, very fun for the people just getting that one song. But you guys must have been dead at the end of those Yeah, we days. were very dead by the end of it. But it was cool. Actually, I saw that uh, I saw that Jillian Smart and Isabella Campbell from the Dessert on Crave uh, showed up at the one in Toronto. Yeah, they came by to support. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great to see them. And um, but what we did was we had a laundry bin, and each T-shirt had a different song title on it. And we had a volunteer in each small group pick the shirt, and that was the song they got. So we're going to bring that bit on to the tour as well. So there's more props. There's we have a we have a phone request bit. Uh, I also, when we were in Ottawa, somebody had a, a bubble uh, gun, which like shoots bubbles into the air. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. So we bought one of those. So yeah. So I so want So you're to- definitely not Oasis. Like there's <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> definitely not Oasis. I'm more, um, I always think David Byrne is just the greatest, you know, for the, talk- the talking head. Like flaming lips. I was just going to say the guy from yeah. flaming lips is good too. Kind of makes them up. Wasn't that guy dating Miley Cyrus for a bit, even though there was a massive age gap? Maybe I'm wrong about that, but yeah, they're hanging out for sure. But I, yeah. I do like more theatery stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I see those bands like Oasis that, you know, millions of people love and they just stand there. I'm like, and I just think to myself, what a fucking easy gig. They're like, they just have to walk on stage. They don't even have to smile and their fans don't want them to smile. It's like, but they don't even have to use that muscle of having to smile. And, uh, and I'm like, well, that must be easy. But then, you know, I went to go see Phoenix. You guys like Phoenix, right? Yeah, of course. Yep. And and, it, and they had so many props and so many bits in their show. I was like, even a cool band like Phoenix is like trying hard. So, uh, so that's what we're gonna do on this tour. That's uh, that's uh, we have, we do have a tickle tickle trunk of uh, of surprises. That's exciting. So all of your clothing, you don't bring that in your little luggage, right? Your so, clothing isn't real clothes. It's just like that's stage show props. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a jacket and some pants and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who packs the most out of the band? Good question. I feel like we're all pretty light packers. Nick probably packs the least. I think everyone's pretty reasonable. I don't know. I don't Who's think any- the most high maintenance traveler in out of the five of you? Has to be you, man. <laughs> Great question. I think everybody has their own quirks. Um, who would be the most high maintenance? I think everyone's pretty. I don't know if anybody's particularly high maintenance. Everyone's pretty easy going. I'm trying to think if anybody has any. Mm. Diplomatic answer. Yeah, I picture all the other guys just saying Max in unison <laughs> if they were asked that question. Yeah. It would say old say like if you look around the room and you can't tell who the drunkest guy yeah. in the room is, it's you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Everyone's pretty uh reasonable tonight. I don't yeah. know. No one's no, really I mean, that drunk. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like I'm pretty chill in some ways, but also probably kind of OCD and neurotic in other ways. I don't know. I'm not sure. But what yeah, let's, say? Uh, let's wrap it up. I think it's, it's a good time. Oh, we weren't gonna t- we weren't gonna touch on Taylor Swift? Oh, fuck. Let's talk oh, about Taylor Swift. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's definitely talk about Taylor Swift and then we'll wrap it up. Let's do it. All right. Why is this blowing up the world compared to any of her other boyfriends? Is it because Taylor right now is at the height of her powers or is there some special dynamic with this football player and her? I think it's a, the way I understand it. 
it's a confluence of one, Taylor Swift's probably the most famous person in the world at the moment. So that helps. Two, her fan base is obviously like feverent or whatever the word is. Uh, but combining that with the NFL, which is easily the most sort of popular uh, uh, sport in North America, hmm. it's like, and their fans are crazy. It's almost like two massive entities, which is like NFL and NFL consumption and Twitter, and then like Taylor Swift and that whole machine and industry. It's like two industries coming together to like basically explode content uh in a way that is like obviously extremely extremely visible and present i think that's got to be it maybe it's, she hasn't really dated athletes like she's yeah. kind of dated like musicians and actors she, she's dated a lot of brits yes. lately and like and uh, travis kelsey is a very charming nfl player like he went to do you know i, I didn't know this but he went to her concert and wore a, a friendship bracelet and was trying to get it to her. So that's sort of the story leading up to them actually getting together. So like, here's a guy who's one of the best players in the league, one of the most recognizable players in the league who is full he's hosted of SNL, right? He's hosted. Yeah. yeah. He's full of whimsy, you know, he's charming. And so I think not it's too, like he, uh, hard to look at either. Not too hard to look he's at. That's important. Yeah. But the NFL is the biggest thing in America. She hasn't dated an American in a while. She's the biggest thing in the world. Uh, he's got cool style, right? Like I think he does. He was wearing that cool like Canadian. He kind of dresses like you on stage. Like he was wearing like a weird, <laughs> a, like cloud like jacket with pants, which I think you own that exact same jacket. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. He's he got great style. Really cool. I don't know what it is about him. <laughs> <laughs> but he only had two million followers when they started dating. Obviously, he's gained like uh, half a mil, so he's up to three million followers now. But she has hundreds of millions of followers, so it seems inequitable in terms of popularity and i think she's dated more famous people but it might just be like the sports element oh like, yeah she's good for him if he if his goal is to be a more known or famous person did you guys see this i saw some tweet yesterday i don't know when but it had all the metrics like that that quickly became the most viewed nfl game like the yeah. ratings like once i guess word went around twitter that she was at the game everybody tuned in uh his metrics on like i guess social media jersey sales are through yes. the roof for 400%. this guy his, yes or his merch sales are up so anyway the taylor effect but yeah to the point it's interesting like do you think from Taylor's perspective, like, cause she's been very visible. She could have easily gone to the game and not made a scene of it. Uh, but she was in the box. She's on the screen. She's with the mom. And then they do the walkout after like, like there's a lot going on here that is very forward facing. Does it, do you think that means it's like, Oh, they've been dating for a while and now it's just public. Or is this like a, this is publicity. I don't think they've been dating for a while. I think it's sort of publicity. It, it, it strikes. And uh, someone also said that he's born in 1989. And her record re-release, 1989, is coming out next month in October. Mm. Oh, Shane, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Did you see the clip of her cleaning up the cups? No. So somebody got, so you know she was in like a box? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Somebody from below the box was filming like I guess after the game or when she was about to leave. And she's picking up, like she's cleaning all the cups, all the discarded mm -hmm. cups. So it's like someone at the end of a Thanksgiving, you know, you help do the dishes. She's doing this in the box. Like one of the biggest stars in the world is helping. And everyone obviously saw this as like a what a fucking great person that she would even do something. I know it's such a basic thing to do, but somebody of her stature isn't going to be cleaning up people's random discarded cups. Oh, do you think she knew she was, like, what's your take on it? I think if you're Taylor, because me just as an, a complete unknown, I always think I'm being watched to some extent. Yeah. If I'm out in public, so I'll do things that I might not do in the comfort of my own home. I might, you know, just be lazy. But if I think I'm doing something that might be perceived as rude, just knowing that I could always be 
watched at some point and someone could cast a judgment of the single thing. I'll try to be extra polite and do things or be extra neat. So I think she being Taylor Swift knows and she, she's probably been filmed in the beach, like weird yachts where she thought she was being private and then saw herself in the paper. So knowing all of that, I think everything she does is performative in some sense, even on a subconscious level that she might not even realize. Yeah. So do you think she's the sort of person that if she was just at a cottage and there was no cameras around, she would clean the cups, though? I think she would if she was at Travis Kelsey's cottage. Yeah. I think she'd want to impress the mom. Yeah. To be like, look at this. And I think they have similar moms from what I've seen of the mom in the box there. Yeah. So I do think this could be the guy that is actually the right match for Taylor where they end up getting married and have a long relationship maybe this is taylor's thing she's been sort of like dabbling with like brits you know in this european thing but maybe she just needed another like american who's got like these sort of yeah yeah, these sort of like midwest american values or whatever you want to call it southern Mm -hmm. values i don't know where is she from tennessee i can't he has a country vibe to him i'm not sure where she's from pennsylvania but then no no, but she sings country music so you know everyone who does country they kind of pretend they have an accent yeah (laughs) Right. And I think he actually has an accent, mm, like, like a, a southern, southern thing. That's I'm cool. not sure exactly yeah. where he's from, but this feels like a really good fit. And I wonder if the the world can see that chemistry and they're anticipating that, oh, we're in for like royalty here in some some her, ways. Her her fans. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet, but I guess one of like the Swifties had basically was like a Travis Kelsey red flag. And they basically, have you guys seen this tweet? No. no. And basically they screen grabbed, I guess there's footage of him from like a, a practice and him and a teammate got in a kerfuffle and I guess Travis hit the teammate. And so the Swifty was like, this is a Travis red flag. When he gets angry, he clearly hits people. And before you, you start like, and fuck you, if you don't think I, I should be worried for Taylor right now or something <laughs> like that. And somebody screen grabbed that and was like, let's go. Like meaning like we're into the bizarre world now where right. it's like the Swifties and the NFL fans and it's got like 20,000 likes, but it's just like sort of a, an example of her fans, you know what I mean? Like sort of imposing this, this narrative and whatever, looking out for their, their, their favorite person. Did you think that now more than ever that in, in like the scope of history that the, the masses are asses is this like peak masses are asses. Right now, uh, this is my first time hearing this term. I think I can deduce what the it masses means. The masses are just, asses. Yeah, that's like <laughs> like pe- it's like uh, how people as individual don't really care, but then they pretend to care when everyone gets together, right? Yeah, well, no, just that the yeah. What's what's the definition of the masses are asses? You know what I'm talking about, right? When, when my, you get popular, like a lot of people are going to come after you and treat you unfairly. Well, yeah, but just with the internet, uh, yeah, it's from 1997. Huh. That's where that term came out. Yeah, uh, it's, well, it's like how people go looting, right? No, no individual person would throw a brick through a window and start stealing shit. But you see everyone doing it, and that's kind of what the internet does, right? I read that somewhere. That's actually a uh, that's like a theory, like about like a like a behavioral thing, where it's yeah. like there's a scale, there's a certain spectrum that people are on. Like there's a sort of person that would throw a brick through a window. There's a sort of person that would stop a guy throwing a brick through a window, and then there's this whole scale of people that like if one person throws the brick, and then another person throws the brick they can be swayed. It's basically just like mob mentality, right? Like, mob. It's, yeah, it's that's mob what mentality. it is. Yeah, yeah. The- um, but anyway, it is like a, it's a true thing. But anyway, the masses are asses. Is that yeah, like I, the I, name I, of this pod? Yeah, I think it is. And because I just think about all this, the, the commentary around Taylor Swift and this guy, people are just like t- saying stuff, making up stuff. There's that, uh, thing that went viral of, um, 
Somebody said this was recovered from the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium, and it looks like someone's handwriting <laughs> about going through like who the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs is, like what their mascot is, who the popular players are. It was a cheat sheet, and I was like, "This is Taylor's handwritten cheat sheet that she brought with her to the box." <laughs> and people, and that's going, that thing's going viral, and it seems like a fake, obviously. But it's like, just Man. plausible enough that people yeah. love it. It's like, yeah. Just like, Guys, Do you think you know. she would bring a cheat sheet? I, d- I don't think she would. But how long are we given this relationship? I've given my prediction that full marriage uh, till death do they part. <laughs> that, that's what you that's what you think? That's my prediction. I think like two months. Two months. Ooh. Yeah, two months. I don't think it I don't think it goes that long. I I think I think it's done. I'll say I'll take the under on two months. Shane's taking the over on two months. Max is holding the line at two months. That's a okay. prediction. Okay, last question. Because because we're talking about marketing, we're talking about branding, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the hustle. Okay. Let's say uh, Taylor Swift discovers you, Shane, right? And 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 she DMs you. She says, I want to go on a date with you. <laughs> she knows you're a married yes. man. Do you talk to Alex about this and say, like, Alex, this is not going to last very long, but this will be really good for this family tree, the content around it. There'll, there'll be so much love. There'll be hate. There'll be conversation, you know, online. You were, we're living that freelance mentality, you know? Mm. Does, this is a does, great question. Does, does Alex say, you know what? Go date Taylor for two months, and then and then she come wouldn't back. like it. She wouldn't like it at all. Like, uh, <laughs> hmm. but it's Taylor Swift. I know, but I've yeah. I guess what I would do is I would try to have a meeting and say, okay, we all know Taylor wants a sexual relationship here, but <laughs> what I'm going to do <laughs> is meet her and play dumb and act like it's just a meeting of the minds coming together. We mm. full know what Taylor wants out of this. But Alex, I promise you, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm just going to play a little bit stupid. Like, I don't know what Taylor really wants out of this. <laughs> yeah, but then what happens when Taylor wants it? Well, we'll cross that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I I would, you know, I would just say no, Taylor. I'm married and I have kids and I don't know what you thought was going to happen here, but I'm here for publicity only. <laughs> <laughs> and then boom get the publicity and then i have this awesome story to tell for the rest of my she has life. a song called uh, it's a crying shame yeah yes that's good yeah See? Ooh, this campfire wit all right i'm down you gotta go on a tour max uh-huh. we gotta get back to work uh this has been a, a great hang thank you to uh manager ash thank you to nathan nash put it all together guys great hang maybe the best 